0: The Twin Geeks, 186. I'm here with Warren Cantrell. Warren, how are you? Your first time on the show?
1: Indeed. Long-time listener, first-time caller. I'm really happy to
0: be here. This is awesome. I'm grateful that you made time and that uh, we had such a fun premise for this show. Uh, the V-vitch, uh, is that how we're going to refer to it?
1: You know, I always call it the witch, but um, yeah, <laughs> the, the double
0: V-vitch. <laughs> the double V-vitch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So first, you wanted to like uh, lead us through your ideas about uh, Thanksgiving cinema in general, I believe.
1: Well, it's just it's interesting to me. It's it's one of my favorite holidays personally, but in terms of movies, which you know is, is sort of my bag, I've always found it fascinating that there's this idea that all these Christmas movies. You know, when you see a Christmas movie, it's about fellowship, it's about coming together, yeah. um, it's about redemption and love, and Ultimately, pretty much every Thanksgiving movie that I can think of is about strife and about conflict and about (laughs) how as a holiday, it rips us apart and like we're barely surviving (laughs) it if we're lucky. And um, I just think that's remarkable that two holidays, which on the surface pretty much mean the same thing, you know, eat some food, see your family. Um, you know, celebrate for you know a common purpose. Have such diametrically opposed themes when it comes to their representation in movies, um, which is just wild to me. I think that's just crazy. I don't know. What do you What do you think?
0: Yeah, it seems like the themes of a uh, Thanksgiving movie are oppositional about, uh, mm. or or they are the parts of the holiday conflict that really comes out when you get the family together. And it's uh, uh, you need a conflict for a movie, maybe. So maybe like a, a really beautiful feast that goes right 100% of the time isn't a movie. Um,
1: It's just crazy. I can't, I'm really racking my brain now thinking about it. I can't think of one happy Thanksgiving scene. (laughs) You know, like ultimately, maybe everyone kind of comes together, but every Thanksgiving scene in a movie I can think of is just pure terror and (laughs) and anxiety. (laughs) Um, And I think that's hilarious because again, you know, compared to to Christmas movies, it's just, uh, it couldn't be more black and white.
0: You think that it's an anxious holiday do you think it causes a lot of anxiety in people
1: i think it has to right i mean that's going to get into what we're going to talk about here in a second in terms of our our featured thanksgiving movie here but i mean as far back as as we go (laughs) as a culture uh, you know because this is obviously a strictly american holiday you know they don't celebrate thanksgiving in you know germany or south africa or japan Mm. actually in japan um i hear uh kfc during christmas is quite thing which isn't entirely thanksgiving-esque but it it does have a flavor to it that i think is hilarious but again it is such a a uniquely american holiday i think it's hilarious that yes one all of it boils down to it always being awful and always being horrible (laughs) and a tough thing to endure but also how overrepresented it is in movies considering it's uh, a strictly american holiday you know what other strictly you know national holidays get this much play in movies you know how many diwali movies do you know you know how many yeah armistice yeah. day armistice day movies that you do know so that's you think it's, it's
0: so close to also the foundation of our country which also still feels relatively new that yeah. somehow it's it's somehow really close to the foundation of our cinema in some mm. way maybe that's no, why it shows up in like the gold rush and Early that's on. a really
1: good point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think similarly to sort of iconographic um, things that are strictly American, like the cowboy or the Native American, mm. that it, it's something that's very much ours. So that yes, even from the earliest days of cinema, cinema it seems like something that we've been trying to to lay claim to because it makes us unique and it makes us um, particular. Yeah,
0: it, there's something about a piece that's. Uh, an anxious beast, especially. Uh, mm. What about anxiety and food? Seems so American. I mean, you know, it's uh, something there that we have like on our minds all the time. Doesn't um, get any more American than
1: that. And you're absolutely right. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> anxiety and food, and eating food because you're anxious. I
0: mean, shoot. I think we What's started this? like circling like some like fun like fun loving like uh, uh you know like get the family around the TV mm-hmm. movies and. Uh, planes, trains, automobiles—always like an easy go-to. Where yeah, that whole movie is an anxious uh, uh lead-up into Thanksgiving. Like maybe the mm-hmm. Thanksgiving goes fine once they reunite and get everyone together, but. But Nothing that's, that's what's so funny about right. that. We
1: don't even get to that part. I mean, the whole, yeah. the whole movie is just them suffering and them, you know, <laughs> enduring the trial that is American Thanksgiving. And uh, again, something very uniquely American, which is travel during the week of Thanksgiving. That's equally awful uh, than, than the horrible, awkward things that happen during dinner. Um, so yeah, it, absolutely. And You know, I was, I was when we were talking about this and talking about Thanksgiving and movies, you know, I, I really tried to rack my brain in terms of, what are my favorites? You know, what do I always go back to if I want to watch something on Thanksgiving? And obviously, trains, planes, and automobiles is right there. But um, mm-hmm. another big one for my childhood was Dutch, great Ed O'Neill road movie about trying to get home for Thanksgiving, okay. where again everything goes wrong for the people involved. <laughs> they get mugged. Their their car gets you know set on fire. Um, yeah. Again, classic uh, Thanksgiving tropes for what we're talking about. But um, also also in that vein, the doors. I don't know the last time you saw the doors, yeah. but there's a great Thanksgiving scene where uh, Pam and Jim are, are tripping acid and um, nearly stabbing each other in front of, of family and <laughs> guests. Um, so again, right right in line with what we're talking about here. But, um, you know, there's there's other classics, you know, Home for the Holidays, Jodie Foster movie from the, the 90s that she directed with Holly Hunter mm. um, and uh, a really remarkable robert downey jr performance which you know by his own admission he was in the deepest throes of his addiction at that time so it's a fascinating document you know for that reason um mm. but uh my others would be the last waltz i was raised as a, a band fan and that's uh obviously a thanksgiving concert movie which is kind of cool and rare um but again uh i hadn't quite thought of the connection here but they're also zonked out of their minds in that uh, documentary if you're watching that <laughs> most of them are on heroin and cocaine um which is really interesting and
0: uh obviously and, uh, Robbie Robbie Robertson or is that his name he did yeah. the Scorsese score for the new Killers of the Flower Moon right he's been a Scorsese um,
1: collaborator for a number of years now i think yeah the first one i can remember re- yeah the, the first one i can remember which was probably not their first score collaboration but i, I believe Robertson had done Gangs in New York you know it's 20 hmm. plus years ago but um yeah no b- big collaboration between the two and again the thanksgiving connection but obviously the the true new classic thanksgiving movie the witch um yeah which doesn't get any more american and thanksgiving than this i mean this is about pilgrims starving and uh succumbing to their their basest uh but somewhat uh, reasonable sins and, and pleasures
0: like all great American movies, it's about Indeed. family. Um, <laughs> Indeed. It feels like the darkest possible choice that, that we might have made it. But I think it's like the yeah. right choice. because uh,
1: I think so, know. too. I mean, Thanksgiving's about pilgrims, and this is a pilgrim movie. I mean, it doesn't get any more pilgrimy than this.
0: This yeah. is like 10 years after the first Thanksgiving. And, you yeah. know, uh, some years after the... Salem witch trials. So mm-hmm. a lot of anxiety already built into the pilgrim identity. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why it's such an anxious holiday because it's about yeah. taking land literally from people mm-hmm. and, and then trying to feast with them and share it with them. And uh, that's yeah, a very difficult preposition. Yeah.
1: No, and I just, I mean, I mean, let's start here. It's a Robert Eggers movie, right? I mean, mm. I think this plays on a lot of the themes of that he, he, Enjoys in terms of mixing around the sandbox as a director, and in terms of um, his ideas of community, of isolation, of fear and desperation. Um, yeah, I just when watching it, the fact that this is the first time I, most audiences were introduced to him. More importantly, uh, introduced to Anya Taylor Joy. That this is both of their debuts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's such a a shattering sort of opening bell to to careers that I, I think we're gonna be watching for a really long time.
0: I agree. I think it sets up so much about
1: who they're going
0: to be on the screen behind the camera. Mm. Uh, It's giving us such context for who these people are going to be as like different performers where um, I think also, I feel like um, Robert Eggers is always mining something about like a cultural identity and going Mm. far back, whether we're looking at Viking times or, yeah um, you know the light host which is a shot like uh with cameras from the times it's set you know it's uh, mm-hmm. we're using 1930s and 40s uh, cameras to shoot the movie like all of his movies are reaching back into archaic things and yeah um meanwhile this is using like all natural lighting he's like shooting out of the woods only like 25 days shoot so like also very efficient for one of the, like the most like immaculate horror movies like this is made efficiently
1: that's funny. I actually, I'd never known that. I'd never heard that about the, the production. It really was that quick. They're Yeah, to get in 25 days.
0: Like wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, so. That's fascinating. And you can imagine, yeah, so that must not be many reshoots. That must be, you know, very quick, yeah. direct. Uh, there's quite a bit in the movie, but uh, what occurs to me is that it seems like a dense movie, and it seems like one mm-hmm. that would move slowly, but it does not. It It is brisk. I mean, it, it moves. It really does. And you know what? Just from a
1: technical standpoint impresses me about that is that there's a lot of kids and animals in that movie. There's the classic, you know, warning about never, you know, film with with children or animals. But the fact that he was able to pull that off and corral those performances, literally (laughs) and figuratively corral the performances, uh, that's remarkable. That's funny. I'd never read that. That's really interesting.
0: That's really interesting. There's something about this movie, too, that I think is so interesting that when you keep watching it i watched it twice the last week which was an mm-hmm. interesting holiday headspace to put yourself in <laughs> uh, and uh the first time i watch it i just watch it literally i'm like what if i give it like a literal reading here's mm-hmm. what the movie's telling me and then the second time i watch it very figuratively what if these are just like folkloric tales or um there's one theory that uh only the beginning of the movie is true, and everything else mm. is what the town tells themselves is the folklore. Interesting.
1: So. so once they're cast out, it's just sort of the fable that the town tells yeah. about them. Interesting. It's what the
0: town says happened to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's important to say if that's true. Yeah, I yeah. I think it's interesting. <laughs> no, that is interesting. <laughs> you know. It may well, not it, be true. It, it does
1: fit with what I always took to be the interpretation thematically of it, and that actually falls in line with this, which is each of the characters of the family sort of represent a a sin, but one that's not necessarily grievous. They make it grievous. You know, the father character hmm. is clearly all about piety. And his his notions of piety and how to be closer to God drive him to be prideful and resentful. And it it's like this seed of piety that gets corrupted that turns him into this uh, person who's, who's destroying his family, who's going to ultimately kill them because they're going to starve out there.
0: Um, and that's why and they get kicked out. Like the father, you know, because of his pride is the reason yeah. they're, you know, sequestered from that society too.
1: And but again, I mean, there's nothing inherently bad about that. It's it's. I mean, all of us in our daily lives are probably a little too proud. Maybe at work they, we mm-hmm. think we know more than our coworker or our boss. But it it's allowed to be corrupted in him. Um, and I think similarly, you know, with the little brother. He's a kid who's probably going through puberty, and he's experiencing lust in in his day to day life. I mean, he is noticing his sister, which is gross and weird to be sure. I want to get that out of the way. But again, there's nothing inherently terrible about a young boy who's going through puberty, getting you know, discovering urges, discovering his sexuality,
0: and the fact and there's that there's someone else around really for him. Exactly. You know, he's kind of drawn to his sister because he he's trying to discover bodies, and, and she's exactly. the body that's there. You know?
1: exactly which again gross not not endorsing it not but, <laughs> but yeah. it is understandable a kid who's 12 yeah. years old who's going through puberty that would happen and that's not something you should go to hell for if that's what you believe in no. you know he's going to work through that you know in a healthy environment and you know he'll meet a nice girl and um <laughs> you know whatever but again yeah. it's like this kernel of a sin that's blown into you know full-blown uh i don't know sort of uh corruption by the devil Mm. um and it you know obviously that final scene with uh what's her name thomason you know she Mm. is succumbing to her own again entirely understandable sin she wants to eat butter she wants to be comfortable she doesn't want to like grind it out all day um which again you know i guess that would be sloth if you were looking at like a classical interpretation of you know christian sin she's quote unquote Mm. lazy um, and there's nothing wrong with that. What 14 or 15 year old girl doesn't want to <laughs> like grind it out all day on the farm and, and serve as yeah. like a, a nursemaid to all of her siblings and stuff like that. But um, again, I think that the, the movie's taking this idea that, you know, if you allow yourself to be corrupted by your own sin, to allow it to grow inside of you, to allow it to overtake what is a natural impulse, you know, to be a little bit proud, to be a little horny, to be a little bit lazy.
0: Yeah. Um, you know it can, I thought maybe greed for her too, like signing the book mm. in the first place to get the butter, and you know, yeah, uh, maybe because I couldn't place, I couldn't figure out where gluttony fit in, but I think you might be right, it might be the butter thing is the symbol mm. of that.
1: And I, I think that if it that interpretation that you had mentioned earlier, that this is all just a fable, this is what the townsfolk are you know communicating to themselves as a way to make sense of this whole ordeal and what happens to this family that actually falls online that they would assign these different sort of sins to each of them to to turn it into a a biblical fable of sorts
0: i guess the mother you you assign like envy to her like of her daughter and her family and maybe there's some envy at play with her
1: and i struggled Um... with that because that's a good question i don't quite know i mean the mother is clearly (sighs) she's punishing Thomason, she's punishing her family for her own grief. um, Yeah, which in itself, I I I hesitate to even say that because she's going through such a profound and terrible thing, you know, losing her baby, um, and then her son disappearing and everything else that happens. It's entirely reasonable that she's going to completely lose her freaking mind. (laughs) But at the same time, she is she lashes out. You know, she does take that out on her family at times, and um, you know, again starting from a very understandable, reasonable place and allowing that to spiral is sort of the whole shtick. So, yeah, I find that all fascinating.
0: Maybe that's like the darkness of the characters is always justified by something, by Eggers. Mm. Like, there's not some um, irrational I mean a lot of irrational things happen but they happen for rational reasons Like, there's yeah uh moral reasons that the characters are put in these situations like uh like we're even saying like lust for his sister there's like a well of course he's a, a boy at this age and there's no girls and he's figuring it out mm-hmm. um but uh yeah I couldn't I, I'm not sure about like the sloth thing and I I had trouble like placing like all of them like completely directly onto them mm-hmm. but But I also did the same exercise. I'm like watching, looking for them, And, you know, I think it is there. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think they, I don't think it has to be like one is assigned to each character necessarily. Like there could be a couple, like the Greek gluttony for the signing, the book for the butter um, and the dresses. uh, Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I I don't know. Um, I think that is there. I think it's all inherent in the story. And there are different ways to read the Vivich, which I think makes it more interesting
1: yeah absolutely absolutely what was your first experience with it did you see it when it first came out was it sort of because for, for my part I, I had heard about it i there was buzz around it i think i had some friends who had seen it in the theater um i didn't cover it i know that i didn't review it but it's something i had heard a lot about but i it, it wasn't spoiled for me so it was that really cozy middle ground where like you you hear the hype it hasn't been ruined for you it hasn't been hyped too much um I really found it in the sweet spot, you know, I think probably about six months after it came out or something like that and and was able to enjoy it because of that. What about, uh, what about you?
0: I think I did see it in theater and it was just, it was stunning. Maybe I was like part of the people that were overhyping it for some other people, but I I think it's also grown with me. Like I don't, I I know my first impression was strong, but uh, the last three or four watches, I think I've really solidified what the movie is and it Mm kind of, it's placed in the last 20 years of like American cinema for yeah. me, which is on like a pedestal with like, uh, my favorite movie under the skin and a few, uh, few other of the major, like four directors who've like really emerged for like, yeah. feel. and, uh, and this whole new wave of horror, I think like, uh, something like under the v- Vitch are like foundational to where a 24 is gone. Mm-hmm. since then, and that kind of brand, um, yeah, so for me, it felt like the start of something else. It felt like sure. a American horse Cinema was being reborn in a way that mm-hmm. was like, we're getting away from paranormal activities and uh, and just like jump scares. There's like one jump scare in the movie, which is effective because there's one, technically. Is it
1: the you... boy kissing the the beautiful witch and the ugly hand coming around his head? Yeah. Yeah.
0: That, I think that's, that's the one I could think of. The yeah. I, I guess... Like, the scariest moment might be, like, when they get, like, locked into the barn with the goat mm. there. So it's like, I, I don't know. Uh, but, like, the, the fear of it's really, like, baked in. You get stuff, like, hereditary because yeah. of the Vivich existing because of Eggers, like, laying this format out. Um, I think it's necessary for how horror developed. Uh, I don't think it would have got there without filmmakers like him doing this. So,
1: in terms of to pivot just a little bit, in terms of witches in general, who's in your, like who's on like your Mount Rushmore, if you're talking about witches?
0: Of, of which movies?
1: Yeah, or just of witches, like which characters? I mean, okay. if you had a, a Mount Rushmore of, of movie witches, who would be on it? And it's I tough, because there's not that. a lot of really notable movie witches, but they're out there.
0: Yeah, I mean, Suspiria Original, I think, is my top. Mm. Um, I'm... I'm just entranced by that and uh, the whole witch dance to that. uh, Maybe there's something in like the Wicker Man or uh, I'm I'm trying to like flex my brain here. Possession might be kind of witchy. Uh,
1: See, I'm I'm all about the classics. You know, if I had a Mount Rushmore, (laughs) I would take the three from Macbeth and put them in one spot.
2: Okay. And then
1: then give me Wicked Witch of the the West. Gotta have her, you know? Okay. Um. But I'm also a Glenda fan. I like the nice witch in Wizard of Oz. I think she should get a spot, too. Why should they all be bad witches? And then, obviously, the Eggers like witch. For,
0: yeah. The Eggers witch. Are you talking about, like, the hag witch, like, the old lady witch? or uh, Yeah. Or are we talking about, like, uh, uh, Thomason's, like, ascension into becoming a witch? Like, which witch is which? I like, all right, so the sexy witch is
1: really cool. I like her costuming. Yeah. I, just from a purely production standpoint, I love what they do with like her bodice and everything. It's yeah. so so cool. I love the visual of it. Um and I like the fact that we get like a beautiful witch because normally witches, mm-hmm. you know, the iconography around witches are all you know crooked noses and, and gnarly faces and stuff like that. So I'm going beautiful witch, not just because I'm like a really horny guy in general. Um yeah. but I think Beautiful Witch is awesome <laughs> for this one. Have you seen so if I'm the I'm carpenter in stone witch? it's that one. The le- no I haven't
0: the love Witch is all about like this very horny witch who like just traps men and like a uh, uh, put spells on it it's like shot like a 70s movie it's like glowing like mm. almost like a technicolor uh, but yeah. it's from 2016 but uh, okay. it has this very ephemeral very witchy like idea like almost like it's made through witchcraft like the, the cinematography is witchcraft it's uh, interesting it's a really gorgeous I movie that I hear the directors the re- director she might be difficult and semi-canceled oh, really? but uh <laughs> yeah i think well, it's well, a great movie it's fitting that. so are witches so yeah of course she might be uh yeah <laughs> it might just be a witch hunt it's <laughs> like a director method thing um i'm thinking you
1: know it was a big movie for me growing up was robin hood prince of thieves and there's a great witch in that one who in a deleted yeah. scene i guess is actually the sheriff of nottingham's mother um so alan rickman's mom and robin hood prince of thieves gotta i think at least put her in the conversation of awesome movie witches mm-hmm. and then i mean does bewitched count i mean she was a witch and nicole kiddin played her in the movie version so
0: i think so uh, borderline sure, you can put that in there borderline yeah what about haxon there's, there's probably a witch in haxon that's probably the earliest cinema oh wow yeah you? 1922 like <clears> a witch like Brewing like a stew, and then yeah, you look at the the devil, and yeah, yeah, that yeah. could be in there.
1: There's some good witches in movies, man. It's a it's an untapped resource, you know. Werewolves, <laughs> vampires, zombies—they've all got their play, but you know, give me more witches.
0: I'm very pro witch, just in my life and in general. Um, I meant to watch some more witch cinema the last uh, this last October. <laughs> uh, I wanted to watch some like Witchfinder General and some folk folk horror, but you know uh, there's only so many paths you could go down at once uh, hmm. yeah I think the witch though might be like a very significant representation mm-hmm. um,
1: yeah.
0: and mm-hmm. at least for like our modern cinema like we could talk about some of these older things but uh, yeah I think it uh, is interesting because it plays both into what the uh, hatred for the witches are like uh, why they're hunted down but also hour of them. it almost makes a good argument for the end for why a character would want to join them like it's almost yeah. a happy ending if you want to read it that way
1: oh it's very happy uh, for thomason
0: at least yeah yeah i mean no, despite her right. family yeah uh, because she never really found membership in anything else i mean mm-hmm. she's already exiled and then her family was just like picked away and uh, yeah. by this by this goat or this representation of Satan. Uh, uh, one of the best uh, animal actors in the movies is oh, in yeah. Black Philip. Lit- That's important. Goat. That's yeah, important for Thanksgiving, animal actors. Mm-hmm. Um, Babe, too, would be a good Thanksgiving movie. Um,
1: mm. I'm trying to think of tangentially, anytime you've got like eating feats of strength, I think you could lump into like the the Thanksgiving canon. I'm thinking like great outdoors with John Candy and the old yeah. 96er. I mean, that's yeah. that's a Thanksgiving and spirit moment, you know,
0: the old 96er is so named because that's like the weight of like the thing, right? It's like, yeah, it's like 96 ounce, ounces. Yeah. Like 96 yeah. ounce. Yeah. Yep. Uh, just a giant, giant slab of meat in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He puts, he puts it down, doesn't he? Uh,
1: he does. And then uh, he thinks he's going to get uh, one of my favorite lines in any movie. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd's trying to negotiate, like, all right, we get our free dinner now. And the guy's like, he's not done. He's like, there's nothing left on that plate but grizzle and (laughs) fat. And the guy gives him a look. He's like, yeah, exactly. Oh, God. Can you imagine eating, like, 88 ounces and then realizing you got to go back for eight ounces more of, like,
0: grizzle and (laughs) fat? So what are your other eating feats of strength uh, that you'd celebrate in the cinema? Well,
1: shoot! You know, uh, back in the day, I used to do top ten lists weekly for uh, one of the publications that I write for, Scene Stealers, and actually wrote a top ten. It was top ten eating feats of strength, and I'm I'm, I'm going back in my mind now, and I'm trying to remember the. I mean, obviously, the old '96er Great Outdoors that was mm. pretty sure that was at the top or near it. But let me think. Um, eating feats of strength. Oh man. There is uh the Monty Python sketch where the guy said, I can't eat one more bite. And the guy's like, Don't you want what was it? It's waffa thin and he explodes from eating. Oh, <laughs> uh, was that Life of Brian? Or um Oh, I know it wasn't Holy Grail. That's gotta be in the conversation, though. A person literally exploding from food. That's um,
0: pretty impressive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And Television-wise, you know, one thing that I always went back to, there was an old Wings episode where they uh, they made quite a conversation about how you can't have a party without a big sandwich, and that's sort of mm. dictated how I've run my life uh, as an adult. I used to hold a <laughs> New Year's Eve party that had a that I made myself a nine foot sandwich every year. Which, oh, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think you can take inspiration from these things in, in movies and TV. I think you can uh, <laughs> you can. You can add this to the the meaty part that is, you know, the the lasagna of your life. You must live deliciously. I, say. I do live deliciously. Yeah, no, I should be a witch. Yeah. But um, yeah, I you know, I go back to in terms of yeah, I mean, you got eating feats of strength. I I go back to all of the awkward Thanksgiving movies that I've seen in my life, and just how. Again, that sort of informed my outlook on the holiday. I think there's a great one in uh, *Brokeback Mountain*, where uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character is in a, a fight with his stepdad, and just kind of ruins the whole, whole evening. Um, God, what? There was some, <laughs> there was some pretty awkward shit going on. And uh, like I say, *Home for the Holidays*. Uh, oh, *Son-in-Law*. That's another great Thanksgiving uh, awkward moment. Someone gets uh, they they roofie, <laughs> uh, Kali Kapowski. And try and frame her with Polly Shore. Now that sentence alone makes me feel weird, but um that was an actual thing that happened Yeah, it in does. The
0: movie, so. There's a lot um, of strangeness in Thanksgiving. And I think uh the witch maybe best embodies some of that. Um yeah. how it feels to get together with the family. Um yeah. everyone has a black Philip in their family. And uh, <laughs> uh, That's trying the uh, trend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> inspired by Satan. Uh I think what strikes me most like when I'm rewatching the movie is like the language and the way it all comes from old mm. texts. It's all yeah. adapted and and rewritten based on some old texts that Eggers looking at and uh, and that that makes it really fit into a mood. It makes it believable. Um, yeah. I guess you buy into them talking that way, even though their language is so far apart from ours. It's nice yeah. that they don't talk like us.
1: Yeah. No. It's it's very biblical too in, in the way it's presented. And again, I go back, and this is a credit to Eggers and this really short production, the the set design and the costume, in the the makeup, the hair, all of it really does set it in a place. You know, you, you see that big wide brim pilgrim hat with like you know the tall cone, and you think to yourself, yeah. all right, I, I know where I am, I know who these people are. Um, again, same thing with like the clothes that the boys wearing. I don't I don't know the name of it, but it's that, um, I don't know. It's got like the the high shoulder pads and it comes down real narrow at the waist. Again, very Pilgrim looking thing in terms of the iconography. Um, Just really cool. Cause like you say, when you combine that with the language, you, you really do get a sense of place. And, you know, I know you review a lot of movies each year, like I do, and probably like me, a lot of them suck. And when you try and put into words, these reasons why these movies don't come together too much emphasis, I think is placed on just the story or just the vibe or something like that. And, there's not enough attention paid to the setting and to what the people are wearing. It's it's sort of an afterthought when that can all be a piece of a larger puzzle that I, creates this, this collage that fully immerses you as an audience member into the, into the narrative.
0: I think when you see enough movies like you or I do, you begin to see that like a, even um, costuming and that deck is story. Like it is mm-hmm. thematic. Yeah. Um, so if you have, Elizabethan costumes that are very tone muted and drawn back into uh, a, a more muted palette. That's very like Puritan and very early mm-hmm. American and Pilgrimish. I think you end up exuding a lot more thematic like resonance from that than than if you do if it's yeah. like the... right. you... yeah yeah uh, photography. Also. I can you mm-hmm. and of course they're all in that like all have kind of like that get the start the story with the scene, and reverse what I think
1: yeah I saw um a movie not too long ago I reviewed uh I can say the embargo's up. It was a indie film called Screwdriver, okay. which was not good. It was awful, but it took place in L.A., and you would have never known it based on watching it. Where this took place, and to me, it's like why even set your your movie in a place and and give it that sort of uh, framework if you're not going to use that location at all, even if it's just a line or two why use uh, you know a, a specific city if you're not going to make use of the fact that it's sunny or the traffic sucks? Or in this oh, case, okay. the main character came from like the Midwest. So you could talk about smog. You could talk about, I dress differently than other people. I eat differently than other people. It's it's such a tool at a filmmaker's disposal and it's, it's so refreshing with a person like Eggers where they can use it and it becomes a character in and of itself. You know, that forest in the witch is a character. The fact that, you know the the young boy isn't supposed to go out into the woods without his father. The fact that nothing really grows there, the corn is all spoiled, that they've got this impending winter coming, and that's gonna affect the way they have to um you know prepare for the winter, whether that means renting Thomas out not to another family to get money um the winter's gonna kill them and I mean that's a very thoughtful use of the fact that if you are gonna be driven outside of a, a New England establishment right before winter comes i mean that's that's a big consideration so um. Yeah, like you say, it's it's also important set design, costuming, um, and when a a filmmaker does it well, it's it's noticeable.
0: This <laughs> space that they only share with each other and what happens there. Like, these places matter and they mean things, or in the North, maybe. Yeah, they do mean uh, things. Like, new territories and what your spirituality says about it and uh, what these old folklores, uh, 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 like, Nordic traditions say about these things, but also, like, coming up against, you know, like, Christianity and uh, how that's bleeding into a different thing. And uh, I I think most of his his movies seem to be, you know, uh, maybe not religious, but they're, like, they're informed by Or and uh maybe pagan symbol yeah absolutely mm, yeah um, you're always,
1: you had me at pagans <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was just uh taking the family out to the uh, Nordic museum and we when did mm. our Yule fest so of course that we you know maybe maybe we lean more witchy or pagan <laughs> than, than many families do uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of those traditions are still held on to in a way that're sure. we not I guess I guess we're not celebrating just the Christmas tradition, but our family just being Danish and mm-hmm. do you like? A, do you do the whole spread? Do you do you host the thing?
1: Well, um, I grew up in in the Phoenix area, so I go back you know, on occasion to to see the family. My mom still lives down there. I've got my little brother, cousins, aunts and uncles. So um, growing up, you know, my mom had a a pretty big family, a lot of brothers and sisters. So everyone would kind of take a different holiday. Um, And Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving was always ours. So everyone would come to our house for Thanksgiving. So more than any other holidays, I have memories of the cooking and, you know, my dad making the turkey and the gravy and, uh, you know, all that kind of thing. So um, it is kind of a part of my, holiday calendar more than I think a lot of other, uh, you know, celebrations because of that, because it was so ingrained in me. But um, mm. uh, being a Seattle resident, you know, I've lived here since 1999. I generally have a sort of friend friendsgiving that we all kind of rotate and take turns on. So this year will be my first year since, uh, you know, pre COVID that I've actually gone down to Arizona and I'm getting that full Thanksgiving experience, which means awful airport. And, uh, <laughs> you know, pick up experiences and, you know, wait, going through security and then, yeah, the awkward family situations where, you know, you got to talk to people whose, you know, social and political views don't always align with yours and Sorry. sort of grit your teeth and bear that. And um, yeah, so I I am getting the full uh, classic Thanksgiving experience, at least for me, this is very much what I'm used to um, growing up, not necessarily what I'd prefer, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Do you want to chat about anything that you've uh, watched recently to um, to wrap it up I don't know what with, with the Sfcs does this count as one of a like an, an article or whatever for uh, our our count of what is it 24 25 for the year I, know Maybe. Don't I think if you do
0: like pod, I think if you do a review in a podcast it does count um, and so if you want to
1: mention something that came out within the last week just whether you liked it or not we can <laughs> we can count this as part of our our yearly uh, sure have you so, seen the uh, holdovers? I have not seen that. No. Um, okay. The most recent thing uh, that I saw that came out uh, last week was uh, that movie that premiered on Netflix, Rustin. Okay. Which is about the, one of the gentlemen who organized the March on Washington with Dr. King? The whole that was I have everything. Um, which wasn't bad. A little clunky on the dialogue side, but. Um, it was a really interesting look at kind of what goes on behind the curtain when history is made, and I thought that was
0: really interesting. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to uh, see that one in some of these uh, Netflix things it's it's weird how they fit into the award season. I I'm never sure when to watch them or or when to write about them.
1: Exactly because um, yeah, there'll be a very limited release. And you're yes. like, oh, should I publish during that or when it actually drops on Netflix? i'm I'm going through that right now with Maestro which um, comes out in very limited release. When do releases. you cover it? Well, I think I'm going to drop my review when it premieres on Netflix because I'm not okay. entirely sure um, where that's playing in Seattle or if it is getting a limited release here. Yeah. But I can tell you, um, and this is not something I say lightly, it's one of the worst movies I saw this year.
0: Oh, I've seen okay.
1: Garbage. And I've seen some red <laughs> hot trash.
0: That's what um, one of our guys said. Uh, our guy, Vaughn, uh, also in the GL Film Society, he writes for the site and he said it was just, it was just terrible. It was abysmal. It
1: was abysmal. It, it boils down like for a man who was, to me, endlessly interesting. You know, Leonard Bernstein, composer, yeah. conductor, you know, educator, um, movie and, and, and television. I wouldn't say personality, but um, figurehead in terms of, you know, having done scores for both mediums. Um, an endlessly fascinating man. And it, the movie just boils down to who he's having sex with, and
2: oh um, man, how that
1: and how that you know is a stumbling block in his marriage to a woman who he seems to love, but has not a lot of romantic connection to for obvious reasons, um, mm. because he has a. The opening scene of the movie is him in bed with a man. Um, I just yeah, it doesn't I seem to like matter. A, yeah, I mean, I've seen I've seen that movie before. You know, people who have a tough yeah. marriage because of some you know issue, and it was just two hours of them struggling with their marriage um which again to me is such a waste of an interesting life there's there's so much more to the man than who he was married to and who he was sleeping with um and beyond and beyond that it was just because it was um co-written directed and starring bradley cooper it's the worst kind of vanity project you know where a, where a director is in love with every single scene doesn't want to cut a second of it um everything goes on for much longer than it needs to all the scenes are you know really poorly edited together and uh Yeah, I I can't think, honestly, and this is rare for me, I can't think of a single thing I liked about that movie. It was (laughs) top to bottom, stem to stern, soup to nuts, just an abomination. So, there you go. Did you you uh, like
0: A Star is Born? Were
1: you a fan? I loved loved A Star is Born. I thought that was fantastic. And I think that Bradley Cooper was robbed for Best Actor that year. I think he lost to Rami Malek. Which is yeah, I
0: I think so too. Insane. If we're even looking at musical movies, that I mean, he was doing almost the Eddie Vedder thing there, and I thought it was yeah. spectacular. Yeah.
1: No, I I it was, I was a I was really interested in seeing Maestro. You know, for our film critics group, there was um one of those split uh, screenings that night. It was either <laughs> the new Hunger Games movie or Maestro, and I think most of us went to that Hunger Games movie, and I went to Maestro. I, I was really <laughs> looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do that most of the time.
0: <laughs> I was too sick. Uh, that's my out there. Ah, I, was, yeah. I was just not feeling well. I saw Flora and Son, which mm. is another kind of like musical. Uh, John Carney keeps making kind of the same movie, which is like One Thing Street and uh, Flora and Son about musicians who uh, uh, kind of have like hard lives and what their upbringing was and how hard it was to get mm. in. Um, <laughs> one of the characters says, "Oh, you've seen like Star is Born? She's like, "No, I I wouldn't unless I have to." You know, like there's even a shot at Bradley <laughs> Cooper in this movie yeah. is our transition point. Um, yep. But uh, Eve Houston is really interesting. And uh, he is so believable. He's like this Irish, like, uh, well, she's not really into music. Like, her ex-husband is in this band that, you know, they toured with Snow Patrol at some point, And that's, like, his okay. calling card, and, and they're semi-popular. Uh, but her son wants to get into, like, experimental, like, uh, hip-hop music. And she's kind of on the fringes. He picks up a guitar for his birthday. Uh, he doesn't want it, so she starts playing the guitar. Uh, they mm-hmm. find their connection through the music, and uh, he has guitar lessons with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt over Zoom calls. Um, huh. So there's just this whole thing about like finding yourself through music, which is the same mm-hmm. thing John Carney does in all his movies. And I thought it yeah. was like by the end, like a very winning movie with like relationships built around music and a really beautiful thing about like a mother son connection there um, yeah yeah Florence son is really neat and probably at this point underrated um, mm-hmm. underseen I would say it's yeah, only absolutely. like four, 14,000 people on Letterboxd to see it so almost nobody <laughs> oh, yeah um, wow. yeah wow yeah um, well, as far as other new things I, I don't have anything pressing The Holdovers might be the big holiday movie that, that feels like holiday this year uh-huh um, yeah Maybe you could see it as like this year's green book or something. That that's Really? Like oh, that's fascinating. Okay. Okay. Maybe. Uh, uh, I don't know if you like uh, the Alexander Payne filmography, like Sideways. And, um, I do. Nebraska. and yeah.
1: Dude, hey, 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 I got one for you. Me and my wife, one of our favorite movies, we watched about once a year, is Downsizing. Screw okay. everyone.
2: Screw everyone else.
1: <laughs> yes, I love Alexander Payne. <laughs> and uh yeah that's one of my dirty dirty secrets is that my wife and i adore downsizing <laughs> my
0: wife and i have a, a big thing about the descendants because well she was born mm. in hawaii and you know, oh oh that's some of that background and sure. i think it's like the the most like it's not just like the typical hawaii like we say about locations sometimes you only get like a generic idea of what a place is like oh your movie's in la it's a la movie but like the dependence yeah, yeah. is about all seasons in Hawaii. It's a Absolutely. It's also about depression in a sunny place. It's really That's gorgeous. a
1: really good point too, because it's all it the the setting and the culture and the people are all sort of tied together in that movie. It's the story doesn't work without an understanding of all of that and the history of all of that. Um That's fascinating. That's, um, I think, a really good connection, like you said, to what we were talking about before, and the importance of setting. But um, I think that's really cool that you and your wife have that, you know, connection to that movie. For 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 downsizing with me and my wife, we just it's us against the world. So,
0: (laughs) and you want to become small people living in
1: you know? Hey man, I'd think about it if I got to hang out with Christoph Waltz and Udo Kier. You know? there's worse things.
0: Um, I. I really feel like also you think of like George Clooney's character and like property development and how tied into the land, his family's mm-hmm. story is yeah. So like their story also familiarly is about the land in Hawaii and about, um, uh, the changing market and who they're going mm-hmm. to have to shift it to and whether they, they need to sell, who's going to buy it, what happens in families that yeah. divorce when land is split up and houses are split, especially people yeah. who are in charge of those markets. So, uh, I. Yeah. I don't uh, I don't have that much to say about the holdover though. Uh, I, I mean, it's it's nice. It looks like an old movie. It looks like a John Hughes kind of holiday movie. Um, yeah. And they're just like in this kind of boarding school, New England prep school, and it's very New England and it's uh, you know snowbound. Paul Giamatti is really fun. Is the school instructor yeah. who, yeah, you know, he has like a a condition that makes him smell like fish, and so he's kind of <laughs> repellent to women. Uh, <laughs> Are you trying? I'm he's intrigued like trying to forge connection with this yeah. young kid. Uh, oh, no, I know
1: i I do want to watch uh, it, yeah.
0: Yeah, the only thing with Payne, he has like some of those allegations, some of them are a bit older and uh, maybe abusive toward women and a difficult oh. guy, but uh, yeah, you know, a lot of creators are difficult and movies take a lot of people to make, so mm-hmm. um there's still, you know, that's going to be one of those difficult conversations about award season. But uh, sure. holdover seems like an inevitability for some mm-hmm. of the parts like the, the old Chris cinematography in the snow. It looks like mm-hmm. film, you know, it's shot on old cameras and yeah. uh, I, I really enjoyed it. So uh, One of the movies to make me tear up this year.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm sold. I definitely want to check it out now.
0: <laughs> um, I guess with that, I'm heading out to California in the morning. So, uh, that'll be that'll be my thanksgiving uh maybe thanksgiving by the pool you know we're both going to yeah. the southern southern side of the state our, our,
1: our planes are probably going to pass each other on the way
0: out of Pack, so
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> we might be going side by side there for a little while i'm going to phoenix you're going to la so yeah. first
0: we're going to burbank and then we're going down into um, the de- desert after that we're just in a car doing uh i don't know uh I don't actually. Oh, we're so going to, to Burbank
1: and getting a call. Oh, I thought you meant you were connecting through Burbank to no, no, somewhere no, no. further south. Oh, I see.
0: No, uh, we're yeah, we're going to Burbank, then we're going to and then drive down to the desert. Got country, it. So that should got be a good time. Um, got it.
1: Well, hey, safe travels. Avoid awkward Thanksgiving scenarios yeah. like, like in the movies, and um, like,
0: uh, don't let any of your family members ascend and become witches.
1: Indeed, and no peekaboo in the woods. I mean, that's first. No peekaboo in the woods,
0: the top of the list. Yeah. And uh, praise the goat, live deliciously. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. And we kind of have our, our next thing picked out, but we're going to come back to that probably in, I'd say like early January, if you'd come back like at the start of the year. Because mm-hmm. um, I kind of have like my Christmas movie plans already, but then uh, then we have a fun comedy we might do next. So Indeed. Yeah, let's do it. A lot of fun. Thank you so much, yeah. Warren.
1: Hey, thank you. It's been, a, it's been a blast. I can't wait to come back.
0: And where can folks find uh, your stuff primarily, if you want them to read? Scene Steelers
1: is where I I primarily publish. But um, I do uh, contribute to the playlist as well, including upcoming here in December. I'm really excited about this. I got the assignment to cover the new season of Reacher. So if you're a fan of dad fiction and uh, big guys kicking ass, um, check out my review of the season when it drops here, when the embargo lifts, I think, on like December 11th or so at the playlist. So yeah.
0: Cool. Thank you so much for having a great Thanksgiving. you. You too. Bye.
2: my conversations and I post them online for entertainment it's nice to know at least you listen to the show because it's quite the possibility that nobody is listening to me in this modern world things have changed, everybody's entertaining, who's being entertained thank you for listening